Have you ever wondered what inspires Alan Donegan to create this podcast? Well, for the first time, you're going to get a brief insight into the email inbox of one Mr. Alan Donegan right now. Today marks the first day of the rest of my life, and given how much I owe to you, I wanted to take a moment to write a proper note to say thank you. As of last week, I was earning a steady 90000 a year as a corporate strategy manager. I was good at my job, enjoyed it, but left it all behind this week to become an online education entrepreneur, and in so doing, realising a 10-year-long dream. I'm excited, but also terrified. But I also have confidence that I'm making the best decision of my professional life. I brought in my first revenue uh, last month, about £1.22p from selling a copy of my ebook. It wasn't a lot of money by most people's standards, but it was an unforgettable moment to see that showing up in my Amazon reports. My new blog was warmly received with 200 social shares in its first month, but I still feel I'm a tiny fish in the entrepreneurial world. Pro- probably not even a fish, if I'm honest, more of a plankton. I don't know quite what shape the business will take. I have lots of ambitions, growing the blog, launching a podcast, doing physical seminars, private coaching, digital courses. Not all of it will work, but I think the fundamental demand for the content I want to share is there. there are lots of potential audiences and formats for what I have to teach. I'm excited to try a number of avenues and and find the one with the highest potential. Thank you again, and keep up the good work. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun, and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. When I get an email like this, I'm always a little bit scared. Like they've given up a 90 grand a year job to go entrepreneurial. What were they thinking? Is it going to be okay? Are they going to survive? What's going to happen? And uh, I am also filled with joy because it's another person who's following their passion and actually making a difference in the world. And I'm always fascinated to know what's happened. (laughs) How has it gone? Well, I was lucky enough to have William back on the podcast. So he sent that email on the 16th of January, 2019. And he came back on the podcast in October, 2020 to tell me what had been going on. How was it working? And is he ever going to get to the gold he's looking for? Hello, everyone. This is your time machine captain, Dale Johnson speaking. Uh... Today we will be traveling to a conversation had between William Wadsworth and Alan Donegan in October of 2020. Uh, The runtime on this journey should be about 25 to 30 minutes, so we hope you enjoy your time with us. Flight attendants will be coming around with refreshments. Please buckle up and enjoy our ride, and thank you for flying with Rebel Time Airwaves. Welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur Podcast, and today we have a sort of a hybrid episode, which I'm really looking forward to, and I'd love to introduce to you all William Wadsworth. William, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Alan. It's it's very exciting to be here. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it. And William, you started examstudyexpert.com 
you're a memory psychologist. What a great title that is. <laughs> yeah, I, I slightly made it up for, for myself. It's not an official term, uh, but, <laughs> but I think it, it kind of encapsulates what I do. So the, the work I do is all about helping ambitious students to study smarter, not harder, when they're trying to prepare for their exams at school and university, basically so that they can get the best results possible with less work and less worry. I love that. And um, what a business. Either, first off, that's really interesting. How do you get into, yeah, how do you make money and how do you get into to teaching people to remember stuff? Those are two very big questions, how to make money and how I got into it. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll, start with the, I'll start with how I got into it. Um, I mean, the story goes right back probably to when I was a student at high school, um, school in the UK. And there, there were two seeds planted back then. One was a seed that I was really interested in entrepreneurship. You know, I remember running quiz nights back when I was sort of 11, 12, uh, when a sort of big business competition with some friends, age 15, 16. Awesome. And, uh, you know, I just absolutely loved it. I loved making things happen. I loved going out and creating something in the world that wasn't there before. So I'd always had that bug. Um, but then I was also quite quite strong in school as well. You know, I, I did very well in my exams through school, went on to Cambridge University, but all the time working very, very hard to get the results I got. It wasn't until I was sitting in a psychology lecture sometime in my sort of second year at Cambridge where the lecturer stood up and did a, an hour on the science of how we learn and how memory works. And it was essentially an hour of here are all the ways you can study smarter so you can effectively learn stuff much more quickly than through the normal routes you're probably using already. And I just thought it was an ast astonishing that science had got to the point where we know all this stuff about how memory works and how to get information into memory. And here I was as a fairly ambitious kind of high-performing student that, you know, all this stuff was completely new to me. No one had told me any of this. And I thought, well, this is crazy. And so I, you know, started applying all that to my own studies and, you know, it turned, it turned me around. Like I was doing all right at university, but not fantastically. But when I started applying all this stuff, it, you know, put me right up into the kind of top, top 10% which is great. And so I just thought, you know, there's, there's got to be something, you know, there's, there's got to be, there's got to be some way of sharing all this stuff with, with people. And, and so anyway, I once often could have got a corporate job and, you know, maybe talk about that in a, in a second, but kind of all the time I'd had this idea that, you know, I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to help the world study smarter. I wanted to share this science of learning and memory uh, and all the other stuff that goes with it, motivation and productivity. Uh, and I wanted to share that and put those tools in students' hands so they didn't kind of go through the same pain as I did of you know, having to work really, really hard to get um, results that could be got much more easily. Wow. So you left university with this mission and idea, but then went and got a corporate job. That seems to be the opposite direction. <laughs> right. I mean, I was interested in business. I ended up taking a, a, a kind of final year course in, in business and management before I moved on. And I liked the business world. You know, I'd always been interested in entrepreneurship, but kind of business leading teams, you know, that all sort of fitted in that same bucket. And so I thought, well, maybe I can just do this uh, through getting someone else's paycheck. Uh, and the, 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 the job I went into was as a strategy consultant. So I was, you know, being paid by big, in my case, sort of media companies to advise them on big future gazing projects, which was quite exciting for a young guy. Um, you know, one of my projects back in the day was, I don't know if you, have you come, come across BritBox, which has just launched in the UK? Um, no, I haven't. So that's a kind of collaboration between the two 
big UK broadcasters, ITV and BBC, and they've kind of come together and they're launching what's basically a Netflix rival. And, you know, that was my baby for a little while. So it's been quite nice to see that. Uh, germinate uh, and actually launch out into the world uh, since I since wow. kind of left that left that project. So you know stuff. It was stuff like that. It was kind of the big you know big sort of strategic like what's going to be our big next move kind of projects. So you know it was, re- it was really exciting times from a sort of business management perspective. It wasn't like I was just stuck in a corporate job I hated. That wasn't the, you know that wasn't the case at all. I really enjoyed it, but the, I was still I you know as the years went by I realised that there was this. There were these two itches to scratch. One, this real desire to go out there and tell people all about this science of studying. Because the more I, you know, I was still reading the science, I was still doing a bit of work with students. I kept doing sort of one-on-one work with students along the side, even through all of my corporate job. And the more I sort of did of that, the more I thought, you know, this is a real, real problem uh, that, that someone needs to solve. And the other itch, of course, was that entrepreneurial drive. As fun as the big business stuff was, I just kind of wanted to do something for myself. I wanted to build my own dream. Yeah. And, you know, that can't be done, I think, in any other way. If you've got that kind of drive, that kind of uh, itch to scratch, I don't think you can do that in any other way than starting something for yourself and giving it a go and seeing if it works. So uh, that was that was kind of increasingly where where my where my mind was going. The problem was I was starting to try and do some of this stuff on the side. You know, I mentioned I was doing a bit of one-on-one work with students on the side. I, I was trying to, you know, launch a website, launch a podcast, you know, do that sort of thing and, and you know, sort of upgrade myself as an entrepreneur, get some, get some, you know, meaningful side hustle going, if you like. The frustration was that the job was so time-consuming and energy-consuming. Much as I loved it, that pretty much was all the time and energy I had to give each week. And so mm. there wasn't a lot left over for for me and for the side hustle. So I was I, I kind of felt a bit stuck at that point. So what changed? Because you've got a a good paying job, you're doing something that's interesting and fascinating. What changed? As much as I loved the work I was doing in the day job, I just I felt like I wouldn't be properly satisfied unless I was actually doing this stuff that I really truly cared about. You know, the you know helping people helping people study and also building that thing for me for building my own dream um the thing that changed you know which which kind of got me out of this trap of trying and basically failing to to get something off the ground on a side hustle basis was actually coming across you alan um when i was when i was uh, visiting my parents up in up in yorkshire i went i went for a run put a podcast in my ears and it was an episode of the mad scientist podcast featuring yours truly um <laughs> and I'd never heard. I'd never come across this this idea before that you could. It sounds so obvious in hindsight, but it was at the time it was such an insight that you could you could build a business, start with nothing, start for free, start with no risk, start with no debt, all this great stuff that I know you've been talking about on the podcast, and you can build yourself up and you know not wait till. 20 years time, if you retire and reach financial independence to start doing what you love, you can start doing it now and make money along the way. And that I had a bit of savings. I had a bit of financial cushion. I thought, you know what, I'm going to get, I'm going to go all in. This is the right time of life. It's never going to be a better opportunity than this. It's now or never. So, you know, I handed in my notice at work, prepared to launch myself into the world of 
uh, you know, blogging and being an online entrepreneur and, and doing all the things I was really, really excited about and teaching the world how to study. Uh, and so in January uh, 2019, I drove out of the gates of uh, Sky, where I was working at the time for the for the last time and embarked on this on this journey. Uh, and it's been a roller coaster, ups and downs since then. But honestly, I've never looked back. Absolutely, you know, zero interest uh, in going in going in going back to back to work. You know, entrepreneurship has just been fantastic for me. I don't know how many people kind of do the whole quit completely route uh, to sort of start from scratch, <laughs> and I'm not sure I'd recommend it to too many people. Um, but for me, it's been it's been both exhilarating and terrifying and great. <laughs> well, I guess because. Like they're saying is you burn the boats. Exactly. So you reach the boat, the beach, you burn the boats, and then you have to win the battle. But it's that is a, a risky approach. And I guess in a way you hadn't burned the boats because you'd always been doing a little bit along the side, doing some coaching. You'd learned some lessons. You kind of had done some as a side hustle before you even got to this point, hadn't you? Right. Yeah. So there's you know, there's 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 plenty of demand for what I'd kind of call traditional academic tutoring. So you get a tutor to help with your science or your maths or you know, your English or whatever it is. And, you know, I've done quite a bit of that over the years, particularly tutoring in science and, and business, which are the things I, I knew most about. And that was, that was great, both preparation for what I was doing, because it was exposing me to students and I knew how they worked. And, you know, <laughs> increasingly my work was sort of te- starting to teach them about how to study effectively. And I realized that that was making much more of a difference than sort of teaching them, uh, you know, teaching them how to fish for themselves, if you like, rather than just catching all the fish for them. But you're right. Absolutely. That that was a really nice lifeline and continues to be a, a useful lifeline, you know, to, up, up to this day, you know, to, uh, sort of I think about it as, as top up income, you know, if the, if the core entrepreneurial vision isn't quite working as hoped in a given month or isn't quite working as hoped yet, being able to draw on some other skill to earn a bit of top-up income, I think has just been incredibly helpful. I love that. So you listened to the podcast, you had some ideas, you burnt the boats, well, kind of, you had a lifeline, and you went out there and you launched Exam Study Expert. How do you go from zero to building a business? What, what, were, the, what were the starting steps? What did you learn along the way? What would you not repeat? <laughs> well, I mean, I think one one thing I've I'd have done more sooner uh, would be learning, actually, education, slightly ironically. (laughs) 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 I think I approached the whole thing with an attitude that, you know, I've listened to all these podcasts, I've read all these sort of entrepreneurship blogs. Okay, I know what I'm doing now. And the fact is, you don't know what you're doing. You know, you can read all this stuff in the world, but until you actually start doing it for yourself and start learning your own lessons you're only just kind of you're still as you're still a beginner effectively and actually i think what i should have done in hindsight was been much more deliberate about continuing to invest time and and possibly money actually sort of be interested in your thoughts on on that but you know uh, certainly time in 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 kind of my education and learning things that i needed to learn in order to succeed in what i was trying to do so you know, through through most of 2019, I think the biggest single thing I learned was SEO and how to be found in Google. But if I'd sort of been much more deliberate and conscious that this was a thing I really, really, really needed to get advanced in very quickly, 
I think I'd have gone about it slightly differently. And I think the results would have come much sooner. Well, um, you could have applied all the skills of exam study expert to learning that exactly. to make the process. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because if you consciously learn, if you consciously go, search engine optimization is the thing that's going to help me reach where I want to go. And you invest an hour a day studying and implementing, it's incredible the progress you can make. That's right. That's right. I sort of I remember having this this kind of dilemma at the time. I, I've been listening to the the kind of the pop up business uh, business school philosophy that you know you can start for for free. You don't need to spend money, but at the same time, there's a lot of the entrepreneurial world that tries to sell you stuff and tries to sell you on being expensive <laughs> premium courses. And yes, I think I think some of them are quite good. Um, I mean, I was I, I I probably still haven't quite resolved this. You know, when, when is the right time to spend money on that sort of thing, if ever? Have you actually spent any money on any of those courses? So now I actually have. Um, so twenty twenty, if twenty nineteen was all about SEO, twenty twenty, th- I think the thing, single thing, biggest thing I learned was uh, copywriting, how to write copy and how to write mm. things that sell stuff. And I actually did invest a little bit in that over the over the summer, not very much, a few hundred in in a, in a course or two. And for me, I feel that was money really well spent at that point. I just don't know whether I, you know, I still wonder whether I could have, you know, maybe done that with SEO a little bit sooner in 2019. But at the same time, there's so much great free stuff out there. You know, I'm just thinking, well, maybe I should have just gone, for, you know, dived in more fully to the to the free stuff and taken most advantage of that. The answer is it depends where you are on your entrepreneurial career. So if you're starting out and you have no financial reserves and you're trying to build a business from nothing, do not, and I repeat this very strongly, do not go into debt to buy courses because that's what lots of these people will tell you to do. And I've I've been on the courses where they say, mm. don't have the money, put it on your credit card. It's an investment on yourself. Right. And that is just scares me. You're right. There is a huge amount of pressure to buy some of these courses and learning tools that they will teach you the secret, the secret to being <laughs> successful. And it's, it, there isn't a secret. There's lots of lessons. There's lots of information. There's no real secret to this stuff. However, with that said, I've invested a huge amount in my own education. I've been on the Tony Robbins courses. I've been on the T. Harvecker courses. I've spent a fortune on learning materials and the CD sets from Brian Tracy and Jim Rohn and all of the different people. I've spent a lot of money on those things. And there is a huge amount of value in buying a curated course that has the information you need to get going. What I would say to everyone listening is don't buy from debt, buy from profit. So start your business, sell a few things, and then use the profit to buy yourself a course. And I think if you do it that way, it's interesting because then you invest a little bit each year in courses that will actually make an impact and you make progress. But you're absolutely right. There is value in this stuff. There is value. Equally, it is incredible what you can find for free. And if you've got the time and energy and focus, it's unbelievable. I mean, we've released 25 episodes in season one of The Rebel Entrepreneur that takes you step by step through building a business in all the different pieces. However, we don't cover search engine optimization in detail. There's lots of blogs you can read. There's lots of information you can read. But buying a short course can really speed up your process. It really can. So I don't know if you've got the money and you can find someone you trust, I think is useful. Yeah. I just never go into debt. <laughs> That's the big thing for me. Do not go into debt to buy someone's training course. No way. 
So how did that search engine optimization stuff actually benefit you? Was that the the key to building the business? Not from day one. Uh, what I quickly realized was, particularly, uh, you know, in my case, given that I was at best an early intermediate on some of these skills, certainly not advanced, uh, it was going to be quite a long road to profitability through building a website and getting it found on Google, through launching my podcast, and getting people listening. Um, you know, I, I think I probably started the business maybe with a bit of rose-tinted spectacles that that all this uh, would would kind of lead to to sort of profitability relatively quickly. A few months in, I realized, actually, for me, it's going to be quite a lot longer uh, on this road, you know, maybe a year or more <laughs> uh, before I've before I can kind of grow it to a scale where there's, there's sort of some meaningful money available through it. So I kind of kept all that on the backbone. I kept doing stuff for the blog. I kept doing stuff for the podcast. And that was sort of growing slowly in the background, but it wasn't making me a lot of money. So I kind of switched gears at that point and thought, well, who in education has money that has willingness to pay and that I know sort of where to find. I know which, you know, I know there's a door I can knock on. And the answer was was sort of schools and universities, because there's absolutely budget available to help students do better in their exams. Particularly, you know, the British school system, it's a huge part of what schools get judged on is their exam performance. And so there's a lot of incentive. You know, what's what gets measured gets managed. You know, there's a lot of incentive to help students do as, as well as possible in, in exams. Again, I was sort of start slightly starting from from scratch on this, so I, I I did a bit of head scratching about how I was going to knock on the doors of all these schools, and I thought, and I kind of came up with this this uh, mechanism of of running a big survey in schools on how their students go about their studying, and to sort of explain the, the logic behind this, there were a few reasons why this made a lot of sense. One, I'd partnered with some sort of quite big time scientists in the states. Who were interested in doing this research as well. So ultimately, uh, you know, Wistos is still in the process of writing up some academic papers on the back of it. So long term, very good for credentials uh, and um, and sort of you know, brand and you know being a sort of proper scientist and researcher in this this space. And um, two, it allows a very kind of natural way to knock on the door of a school and say, "Hey, we're running this research. If you participate, we'll give you all this lovely data on your students." Uh, it's completely free to to participate, and we'll give you the headline data. By the way, if you want to pay us a little bit a little bit of money, we can give you a kind of upgrade on that data and give you a kind of richer report um, on on what your students are doing. Uh, and and then it, it, you know off the back of that, it leads to a very natural relationship. Uh, and oh, by the way, you know this is an area I know quite a bit about. If you're looking for sort of training for your staff, your students on this subject, feel free to. Well, you know, let's have a conversation about it. Um, so there were, there were the kind of all these all these reasons to do it. You know, the the kind of science and the long term credibility and brand recognition and stuff. The uh, the direct revenues from those uh, schools that pay for the data upgrade, and also uh, you know very very nice and natural way to make all these quite authentic and helpful contacts with with school leaders. And you know, it worked it worked pretty well. It was an awful lot of effort. Um, you know, <laughs> huge huge amounts of effort and perseverance yes. and trying lots of different things and lots of cold calling that didn't really work and lots of cold emailing that did eventually work but had to kiss a lot of frogs to get there and a lot of being very brave and standing up in conferences even when I wasn't on the podium and just kind of commanding the room and saying this is what we're doing this is how you can get in touch but it worked 
project uh, and you know, ultimately managed to get sort of 40, 50 schools together. Um, about half of them paid for the, the the data upgrade, which was more than I was expecting. Wow. So that was that was worth quite a lot of, of revenue in its own right. Uh, and you know, and a number of those went on to be clients for the, the, the sort of speaking speaking services, and you know, went in and did workshops for their staff and all their students on how to how to learn effectively. So that was kind of working as as a as a revenue strategy. The problem was, it was a huge amount of effort to to get that to work. And yes. what I found when I was delivering the workshops, you know, I was going into schools and standing up and talking to staff, talking to students. I was finding that it was again huge amount of effort for relatively small rewards. You know, I was I was charging you know just a few hundred pounds in most cases for workshops of various sizes and scales, and I would often be spending several days, maybe even a week, sort of preparing just for one of these. And I'd come home the day after doing one and just be completely exhausted because I sort of left everything on the table. And <laughs> you know, I'm I'm, a bit, I'm kind of naturally a bit shy and and uh, you know, sort of introverted by personality. So it takes a lot, you know, it takes a lot out of me to kind of stand up and do those things. Um, and so I was just thinking, you know, gosh, to kind of get to any meaningful level of income long term by standing up in schools and speaking, I'm just going to be like completely exhausted. It's just going to take every ounce of energy I've got, and it's not going to be much fun. So even though the revenue was working, I sort of realized with a bit of a heavy heart, actually, you know, I, I can't rely on this as primary source of source of income. I, I still do a bit and it's still, you know, great fun. And I think, you know, really valuable to experience and good for credibility and stuff to do some of that kind of work. And I still do some uh, to, to this day, but it can't, I realized it couldn't be kind of bread and butter for, for day-to-day revenue. So you don't want to come and deliver a ten-day pop-up business school for us? <laughs> it's funny. Um, like maybe, who knows? Um, in some ways, it might be kind of easier. I, I kind of feel like when you're standing up in front of teachers, there it's a tough crowd, right? <laughs> They're all education. They professionals. tend to be the worst students um, out there. The, it's really interesting. The teachers tend to be the worst students. All well, they go one of two ways, don't they? They've either realised how important education is. And they sit right at the front with a notebook, paying absolute attention and questioning everything, yeah. or they end up being as their students are and sitting in the back playing with their phones or doing other things. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating. A couple of comments from me, and I think this is interesting for everyone listening, and I'd love to you to tell me, William, if you see it this way. With search engine optimization and with a podcast, they are long-term business strategies. So they're not something that you do and it gets fixed overnight and you start generating revenue. The kind of quickest I've seen a podcaster do it is six months to a year, and that's incredibly fast. Most podcasts take a lot longer to build. And search engine optimization, building a great website with all the right keywords, all the right data in it to perform well on Google is a long mission. It's a year, maybe more, plus to get where you want to. Those are both long-term strategies. And then you actually went to trying a mid-term strategy with uh, doing the study, selling the bits, and doing all of that. And you've kind of tried all these different strategies. But I think it's realizing the length of time from where you are to sale, to money coming in, when you start out. And I think we all see it through rose-tinted glasses. We're all overly optimistic when we start, but it tends to take longer than we imagine. 
Hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, I, Did you ever think about that? The the time it takes to get to that first sale or those sales. Well, when I started the process, I you know I had sort of cushion in two ways. I had that top up income. I sort of felt I could dial up or dial down if I needed to, and I did have some financial runway. You know, I had a bit of cash in the bank um, that could see me twelve months, even income. You know, without much income at all, if I needed to. So you know, I, I sort of had that safety net, I suppose. If someone had whispered in my ear, December two thousand and eighteen, before I left uh, Sky. William is going to be the best part of two years before this really takes off. Would I have still quit? I don't know, actually. <laughs> I'm, in- <laughs> I- I'm incredibly glad to be sitting here now where I am with at the point I'm at. But if you told me this is where I'd be two years ago, would I have been like, right, yep, bring it on, let's go for it? I'm not sure, honestly. I'm not sure. I might have tried harder to make the side hustle model work that kind of hybrid model where i you know had a bit of day job you know maybe trying to find a different day job where i could work 3 4 days a week uh, and and leave leave a little bit more slack time in the, in the week for for side hustling might have done it that way but absolutely what you're saying you know the the these are quite long term these are quite long term businesses blogs podcasts you know I, my kind of observation having gone through it is you are you can shortcut it if you have money to put behind it you know pay for a load of ads to get it off the ground very quickly you know, if you're yes. if you're quite lucky, maybe you get a really lucky break, or if you have an unusually powerful asset, maybe a, a particularly uh, incredible skill set in in marketing or, or something else, or maybe just an, you know really uh, on point network that you can can kind of draw on to to sort of supercharge that that growth trajectory. If you don't have any of those things to use, money, sort of luck, or these sort of incredibly deep assets in some way, then you do just need the time. Uh, and it's both hours each week, and it's months and months of just sticking at it and persevering. It's that hustle period. I think every entrepreneur who's been there has gone through this hustle period where you've launched the business, then you've got to get out there. You've got to do the calls, the emails, the work. You've got to do all this stuff before the revenue comes. And the length of the hustle period it depends, doesn't it? You don't have to start with debt, but you you are risking your time and energy. Question one, what does meaningful traffic to the website mean to you? Well, I can tell you what this is currently. It, I see about 25,000 uh, visitors a month on the, on the website, and I'm seeing about 3,000 listeners a week on the, on the podcast. That's actually really good. That's actually really good. It puts you in, puts you quite far up the percentage of podcasts. Is so that's twenty five thousand unique visitors to the website, or is that page views? Uh, that's visitors. Yeah, page views is about thirty four, thirty five thousand, I think. Okay, so they're looking at about one point three, one point two five pages each. Yeah. So they tend to come, read a page, and a little bit, and then that's it. Yeah, I mean, most of them, most of them come read a bit of a page and then leave and I never see them again. Uh, I do what I can to get as many as possible to join my email list. So I'm, I'm quite forthright in the, in the in the lead magnets I use uh, to, to encourage people to, <laughs> to, to, to kind of get, you know, enter, enter a bit more of a long-term relationship. Uh, and I, I've got about a thousand or so on my, my mailing list. I keep that quite well pruned to the most active people and get rid of people quite quickly if they they go cold on me. So so that's sort of a thousand quite quite active people, and that's growing about sort of fifty to a hundred a week uh, at the moment. 
and I that's write, fantastic. And, and I write to them, you know, I, I, I'm serving those guys well, Alan. <laughs> you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm writing to them twice a week and it's not just, hey, buy my services. Wow. It's, you know, I, I tell them about the latest podcast episode, there's a new one every week. And I also just sort of tell them great tips, great stuff, uh, and encourage them to, to write back to me and let me know how it goes. And so, you know, several times a week now, I'm kind of getting emails from people either saying, thank you for this stuff. It's really helpful. It's yeah, changed my life. It's going much better. Or it's saying, um, thank you for all this stuff. I've still got these problems. I'm in so much pain at school in my studies because of X, Y, Z. Please, can you help me solve these problems? Uh, and the, the problem is that none of those are saying, please, can I pay you to help me solve those problems? <laughs> this sort of <laughs> an expectation that I'll, I'll help for free. And, and if I feel that's something I need to I need to I need to find a way to overcome uh, because I'm not exactly shy about talking about the, the paid services. You know, I'll often talk about that at the end of a podcast episode. I'll say, you know, this is what I do. Here's how to get in touch. Here's how I work. Uh, there's a big orange button right at the top right of all my web pages that says, you know, click here to book your uh, free consultation. Uh, you know, I'm quite prominent with all that stuff, but it's still not leading to the to the inbound inquiries. And so I'm again sort of wondering whether that's just a timing thing, whether that will come in time, whether that's just a patience thing and it will come if I sort of stay consistent a bit longer. I was quite quiet over COVID. Uh, so I've only sort of recently got back into being there for people and producing stuff for people. Uh, or whether that's just, you know, I'm trying to sell people the wrong thing and it's not something they want, which would be slightly confusing because I did have some clients before. Did those clients come through the website? Yeah, it was a mix of people that had just been Googling around and I was exactly what they were looking for. Um, so those were maybe about a third. Another third were people that were Googling for some help, uh, you know, how to memorize for exams, that sort of thing, uh, and had found me and either directly inquired about coaching or joined the mailing list and then inquired about coaching. Uh, and the others were podcast listeners. So listened to the podcast, thought this guy knows his stuff, got in touch and said, hey, can, can we do a bit more? Can we do some, some personalized help? And this was all back in a time where I was much less... I would say professional about the way I made my services clear. You know, I didn't have that big orange button in the top right of my website. The coaching page, the, the sort of page where I explain about my coaching services was much blander, much simpler, just a sort of long stream of text that wasn't particularly uh, well thought through, you know, and I didn't often mention it on the podcast. So, um, and, and the traffic was much lower. Um, so sort of, it feels like everything should be in a much better shape now, you know, traffic's higher, I sort of feel I'm telling the story of what I do a lot better, but the but the, the it's it's not the as they say converting for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on your website now. Yeah. You knew I would be having a look round as we chat. Help. Let uh, yourself one in. Of the things, well, <laughs> thank make you very make, much. Make, well, your, make yourself at home. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really have a choice. It's out there now. Um, you've got a big button that says free one-to-one -one consultation. Mm which I click on and then it asks me if I'm a student or a parent. I'm going to say I'm a student at the moment. I go in there and it has another orange button that says book your one-to-one -one consultation, which then takes me straight to the pricing page. Mm -hmm. When I say book the free one-to-one -one consultation, I get taken to a page that's trying to charge me. Yeah, I 100% I hear you on, on that. Um, so th this iteration <laughs> uh, is about a month old. I sort of relaunched this this nice shiny new website about a month ago, uh, and this was this was sort of what I'd, I'd had from from the beginning on that on that new new relaunch, 
and and what you've dug right into is is one of the things I'm noodling on at the moment exactly kind of how I structure that flow because it's not right at the moment uh I think kind of cleaning that up is 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 definitely a a strong a, a strong idea and it's you know I mean, I'm looking at my to-do list for the week. I've got that in for you know Thursday. Um, <laughs> um, so, so you're, you're kind of you've dug right in and gone gone right to right to a right to a right to a pressure point. Because you're right. The key bit with the website is the flow. So to only everyone listening and to us ourselves is when a person hits your homepage, where do they go next? If the action you want them to take is book a free consultation. How much information do you have to give them to get them to do that? What's the minimum information? Making sure there's enough, but sometimes if you give people too information, too much information, it sends them the other way. Mm. And if there's a huge amount to read, that can be off-putting. And then if they click, I want the free consultation, where do they go next? What do they have to fill in? And where do they go after that? And it's that flow of people through the website that's the critical bit that we need to look at. And it's what I end up looking at with our own websites, because with Pop-Up Business School, we get people coming to our events. So they land on the homepage and they see how to build a business with no money. And then they click, oh, there's a workshop and they go through to the information. How much do they need to see to get them to sign up? And if they do sign up, how do I make sure they follow up and flow through? And it's it's a fascinating bit. The bit here is, and I'm sure you've experienced this with other websites, it's when they feel a bit... I'll give you a live example. I was Googling the other day because I wanted a document to do a loan agreement. So I was going to lend my business some money and I wanted an actual loan agreement to put in place. So I googled free downloadable loan agreement. Up pops this solicitor's firm that says we're giving free documents to the world. And you click through and then it starts asking you questions like, what's, is it company to company loan? What's the company's details? And it actually creates the document for you. And I thought, this is brilliant. This is really clever. I get through to the end. And it says, to be able to download this, put your credit card details in. And I thought to myself, well, that's not really free, is it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And they actually really annoyed me. And they said, well, we won't charge you for seven days. You'll get a free seven-day trial so that you can download this document. But after seven days, we will then charge you. And I know what they're relying on. They're relying on the people out there who put their credit card details in there, forget they've done it and end up paying for the next six years by mistake. Yeah. And I hate, with a vengeance, hate that business model. If you've got something good, I'll pay for it. But don't tell it's for free and then it's not when you get through there. And I think lots of websites have this. They kind of offer something, but then it doesn't lead where you think. Mm. So. I'm wondering, how can you differentiate? Because you do need to say, look, this is a paid-for program because you can't give away everything for free. Otherwise, you don't have enough money to buy pizza and pizza is important. Or more um, to the point, host the podcast and the website. <laughs> <laughs> or pay for your mortgage, probably even more importantly. But I always that, relate it that to pizza. That's small matter. That's small matter. <laughs> that's small matter. 
But how do you differentiate to, okay, you've got book on for the free consultation, which you find out more about the people and you find, they find out about your service and you have a little chat. And then at the end of the chat, you can say, okay, that's great. What I've heard is this. I think we can do it in six sessions. I think you should book this program. Mm. And then you ask for the cash. So they need to know that the free consultation, you'll give them a couple of ideas, but it is leading towards a request for cash. And where's the balance between that? Because at the moment, the free consultation takes you straight to the the pricing structure. Yeah, I think because I don't feel so comfortable when I'm talking to people, I feel like I want to have done as much work as humanly possible in advance to so they know exactly what they're doing when they when they when they click a consultation. They say they're almost you know we know exactly what we're getting, we know what we're going to pay for. Uh, you know, I think because I'm less comfortable in that sort of in-person selling uh, situation, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe kind of dodging that that responsibility a little bit to do more of that work, you know, maybe verbally when, when we have that, that consultation. What, what do you think? Well, I think people need to know what they're getting into. So they need to know that after the free consultation, you'll ask them which package they want. And it's good to know that stuff. However, there is a saying that I repeat ad finitum at Pop-Up Business School, which is, Your success in life is directly related to the number of uncomfortable moments you can get used to having. And it can be uncomfortable asking for the money. I still get it even now. Even after all my uncomfortableness training, it still happens. But asking that question and allowing that time for the other person to respond and say yes or no, or can you do this or what about that? That's the key bit. And sales, like the website can do a lot of the work for you. And maybe actually there is a bit that the website says, have a free consultation, or if you know which package you want already, just click book now. And maybe the website can do a little bit of the work for you, but there is no substitute for having those awkward direct questions. Yeah, no, absolutely. And here's another idea for you, William, which I think everyone listening, this is a a useful thing to do if you have a mailing list. You've got about a thousand people on your mailing list. One thing you can do is pick 10 or 15 to contact and to have a chat with them. And maybe you just say, hi, it's William. I'm really interested to have a chat to you to find out more. Can we organize a time to have 10, 15 minutes on the phone? And then you can ask them, how did you find the website? what's been most valuable. And because you're really interested, you want to help people. Tell me, why haven't you bought one of the services yet? Yeah. And I think you'll get some fascinating learning from getting your mailing list on the phone. All right, folks, it looks like we're going to have to detour on over to November 2021 at this time. We are still expecting to arrive at our destination at the same time, but we once again ask that you please buckle up. Another wave of refreshments will be coming due to this unexpected change of itinerary. And once again, we thank you for flying with Rebel Time Airways. And now we time hop forward again to November 2021, 
Well, actually, it's not November 2021. We time hop forward again to December 2021. Isn't this the most epic podcast? Like this podcast has taken place over years and you, the listener, are getting to experience it in a few minutes. But William is here with me again. Uh, William, welcome back to the show over a year later. Alan, it's great to be back. Uh, I only hope we're going to get some nice sound effects to mark the passage of time. (laughs) I feel like it needs to be quite a big swoosh to show how much time has passed. And one of my desires has always been to show people the passage of entrepreneurship over the years. Because I think people like I did, I get stuck with where I am and I just can't see I can't. I hope for the best, but I can't see where it's going. I also forget where I've come from, and then the problems you're in at the moment just seem so overwhelming that you can't even escape from them. Whereas if we can actually show the passage of entrepreneurship over time, it'll allow people to feel a bit more comfortable with what's going on now. And I repeat on the podcast quite regularly, stop thinking in years and start thinking in decades, because people overestimate what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in a decade. And then they get super frustrated with how far they've come in a year and want to give up. Whereas actually they're on the edge of the gold, which is a lovely image you sent me back for that last one was like a mining shaft. You're mining away and there's gold just behind the next foot. But you're like, do I give up or do I keep going? Uh, So I'm fascinated to know where did where <laughs> you kept going i assume you kept going where have you got to what happened over the last year give us an update it's really interesting i certainly overestimated what i get done particularly in that first year um i think even the next year after that i was still overconfident on what i'd be able to achieve and was frustrated by the end of the year i think then looking across the whole 3 years i feel like i'm about on course with my <laughs> expectations way back at the start so uh, hopefully as we roll on the next 7 years of the remain the re- that remain in this decade uh, <laughs> we'll start to get to that kind of you underestimated what you'd be able to get done in a decade um, but look, i'm i'm really happy with how things are going at the moment i i feel like i've i've built a cool business and i'm having fun <laughs> uh, and you know it's it's not sunshine and roses every single day there's still hard work to be done and, and hustle to be done but I'm feeling increasingly grateful for how it's going and uh, the the kind of different things that are going on and the work I'm able to do each and every day, which just I really enjoy. I guess briefly, just to break it down, there's there's kind of three big things that occupy most of my world at the moment. Um, the first is the blog, the second is coaching, and the third is speaking. So the blog is now getting about 100,000 page views a month. Um, wow. And I'm monetizing that with advertising. So I'm part of a ad network and they sell my spaces on my site to advertisers and I get a paycheck in the bank at the end of the month. Um, it's, 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 a very, it's a very kind of passive way to earn revenue. The content just sits there and you know, is is pretty evergreen. It, it, you know, the stuff I write about is 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 fairly timeless. It doesn't have a sort of expiry date, and 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 kind of the other really nice thing about the blog is I've I've been able to increasingly kind of step back from the nitty gritty of growing it myself, and I've got now a writer who's working for me two days a week to write a lot of the the content. I, I still like writing. I still like to do that from time to time when I can. But it's great to know that come rain or shine, at least a couple of days a week, someone else is writing 
the content that will be growing next year's revenue for for the blog. Wow! So what a change! Everything about how what the blog in particular is, is going. Um, really enjoying that. From year one, when you were doing everything yourself, which is that's how every business starts. I don't know why we should be surprised about that, but year one, you do everything yourself, and now year three. You have a team, like you have a writer two days a week. It's starting to grow. We have some stroke passive income and like we can decide how passive it is, but like it's passive-ish and it's happening. Like this is phenomenal. As as, as passive income goes, I think it is pretty passive. Like I think if I didn't touch the site for a year, it would still be doing all right in 12 months time. It might not be doing all right in five years time, but I think it, you know, in terms of leaving it alone for six months, 12 months. It wouldn't grow, but it wouldn't. It would kind of hold up-ish. So like, the passivity isn't bad. See, that's phenomenal. And lots of blog writers find that. And you'll notice like the very big blogs in the first couple of years, they're writing articles personally, uh, like two a week, every single week, and they're constantly putting it out. And if you look, it gradually goes down. Year two, they run write one a week. Year three, they're writing one every couple of weeks. Year four, they write one a month. And by year six, they write write one a year if you're lucky. But the blog has such a back catalogue of amazing content that it continues to thrive. And the new content just re-engages people and keeps things going. So like this sounds like it is perfectly on track to build an incredible blog that will make you some fantastic income. And 100,000 page views a month is a really good size blog that that's a lovely platform to build from. Yeah. And, and I, I just, I, I enjoy working with my writer. She's great. I enjoy the bits of writing I do still get to do. I enjoy logging into my dashboard and seeing all the readers that have turned <laughs> up and kind of enjoyed our stuff. Like the, just everything about it is just incredibly rewarding and, 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 enjoy, and fun. So bring us up to speed on the coaching, because the last time we spoke, coaching was where you felt the majority of your income was going to come from. That ended up being the case for, I'd say, most of the next nine months after we last talked. Our our conversation last time was kind of at an inflection point. And I was was kind of wondering if this would be, well, I think hoping this would be the case when we last talked you know, this would be the point where it all started to to kind of kick off and I'd start getting a more regular stream of of coaching clients. Um, I felt I had a good plan, but, uh, you know, I was unsure as whether it was all going to come to fruition. And it did. It started to it started to click into place. And I started to get that regular stream of inbound inquiries saying, oh, can we can we do some coaching? And you know, that that was my my kind of bread and butter throughout most of 2020. And, you know, I still, I still, I still, it's still a big part of the, the puzzle today. Um, I recently put my prices up a little bit, actually, actually a fair bit. And, you know, I, I still enjoy working with my, my, my kind of coaching clients. Uh, and that's, um, you know, that's, that's kind of ticking along well. I think the thing that's been a little bit surprising just in the last maybe three or four months is as well as doing coaching, so one-on-one, I've also started to be doing a lot more speaking in schools and going and doing workshops, um, either live or sometimes over Zoom, uh, you know, training for parents or, or staff or students themselves. And when we last talked, I'd kind of written off speaking as being a big thing because it was taking a lot of energy out of me to go and do these speaking gigs. And I wasn't getting a lot of revenue back from it. I enjoyed it. I got a buzz out of it, but by gosh, it you know, it really drained <laughs> me. Like two things have changed. One, prices have gone up quite a lot. 
and so it's now at a level where actually it's it's, it's actually a lot more interesting um, from a from a kind of financial perspective. And two, just by virtue of having started to do it more and more, it's costing a lot less in terms of energy to go out and do it because I'm getting less nervous. I know what I'm doing. I've got every talk I do is bespoke and unique, but I've increasingly got a library of content that I've done before. I know my slides. I don't need to spend ages writing stuff from scratch. So it's a lot more efficient. And you know, some of my clients now, yeah, my best client is I think we're doing about five thousand pounds worth of uh, workshops this wow. year. So yeah, quite a nice, quite a nice relationship. Most of the talks I enjoy, but some in particular, I just come out of absolutely buzzing, and and I, I can never predict which ones those will be in advance. But when that happens, it's it's a really good day. <laughs> there is nothing like the high of doing a live talk and feeling like the audience is with you. You've changed their world. You've like there is nothing like the high of that, and I don't think that's it. I don't like. Yeah, I haven't taken many chemical highs, but I don't need to because <laughs> I have that as a, a high. And it's interesting what you said about getting to grips with this stuff and feeling it's more efficient. When I first ran a Microsoft workshop, I did a two-day course called Coaching for Presence, and I probably spent a month working on the content without all the learning I'd done before, but I was doing the learning for myself anyway, but probably a month. Second time I did it, I felt a bit better. I probably spent a week getting ready. Third time I do it, I'm just spending a day getting ready. By the time it was year 10 of running this workshop, I wouldn't even look at the slides. I'd just rock up and like launch the laptop and say hello. And there was zero preparation. And a lot of in a speaking content world is investing up front in creating the stuff. And once you've got it, there is massive joy in it, William, because you know where the laughs are, you know what the jokes are, you know what the lines are, you know where to create impact and it is a buzz. It is a complete buzz doing that speaking stuff. So this is interesting. The blog's producing income now. The coaching has done very well, but it sounds like you've just like let it fade slightly because you're doing more of the speaking and more of the other bits. And it sounds like you're quite happy to let that let that chill out a little bit. I always thought that some of my week would be doing services. So delivering things for people that would get me paid that week. And it's been more of a balance between, as you say, coaching and speaking than I had imagined. I'd previously thought it would just be all the coaching, but it turns out it's more of a balance. And I think that's I think that's quite a healthy thing. They both inform each other quite nicely. I wouldn't be as good at speaking if I didn't have all the direct one-on-one experience talking to the people. That's and your story. I wouldn't be as that's the content. Yeah, exactly. That's the stories. And Sometimes speaking gigs will will kind of push me to think about areas in more detail that I haven't really kind of structured my thoughts and got my thinking clear on. Um, so then I can feed that back into the coaching. So they're, they're quite nicely syn- synergistic those two those two things. The one the one big thing I haven't mentioned just because it like, it hasn't really made me money. It's sort of feeling a bit more like a hobby at this point. Is the podcast? The podcast. Um, I've got a podcast too. Yay! Uh, <laughs> and I. Alan, uh, I, you'll know this being a podcaster yourself. Like it, I've poured love and energy into that thing over the last three years, <laughs> and you know I can tell you do the same thing as a as a as a very regular listener to the, to the Rebel Entrepreneur podcast. And like it's been doing okay. It's been doing all right. Like it's a, it's on about like twenty thousand downloads a month. So you know there are people out there that are enjoying it and listening and tuning in, and it's sort of growing steadily. The problem I've got now is that. Other than sending the occasional coaching client my way, it's not the main way I get coaching clients, mm. but some do come my way from that. The problem I've got is 
to keep it going, even at that level, I feel it's a lot of energy each week to kind of crank the handle and put out the new content. To grow it, it would be even more energy. And to start monetizing it, to go out starting to find sponsors, finding other products and things I can kind of sell to people. You know, it's it's more energy still. So going all, I, I feel to make it work, I'd, I'd really kind of need to go all in as being a podcaster and kind of really give it a lot more attention than I'm giving it at the moment. And at the moment, kind of keeping it in steady state, it's, it's taken me about a day a week. And I'm increasingly thinking as I'm kind of looking ahead to the next 18 months, what do I want to be spending my time on? I'm thinking that day a week could possibly be spent elsewhere better, but it is quite a painful decision to walk away from something that's taken so long to build and is and is kind of doing all right you know a lot of podcasters would be quite happy with a, a podcast of that kind of size so it's 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 been quite a painful thought process but i think i am coming to the conclusion that that is something i might need to as you as you put it chill out a little bit on for the kind of medium term might come back to it in future but at least for now maybe dropping down to doing a couple of episodes a quarter or something like that just to just to kind of keep it ticking over slowly so where are you on your financial goals currently are you making the money you want to make? Is it still, is it edging up? <laughs> like my business edged up each year. It went from, well, actually, that's not true. It didn't edge up. First year was 20 grand. Second year was 13. It edged down. <laughs> I spent a whole year selling to schools. It was a nightmare. <laughs> uh, and then third year, I sold to corporates and it went up to 36 and then 56. And then like just went through the roof afterwards. Like how are you making progress on mining for gold so monthly income after cost is about three to four thousand a month roughly a third a third a third from those three things we spoke about the blog coaching and speaking maybe a little bit more on the services at the moment coaching and speaking but the blog's been growing quite quite quickly and seems to be definitely on a on a trend upwards and I've, I've sort of been reinvesting most of what I earn from the blog back into new content so it keeps growing so that revenue is is enough to just about be be kind of comfortable in our household, and um, I'm the I'm the main breadwinner this year because my wife's on paternity. Uh, sorry, my wife's on maternity <laughs> leave, uh, looking after a little baby. Uh, we had about uh, three months ago, so it's it's pretty much in the nick of time. Got to the level where I can kind of cover household bills myself, which is awesome because it means she doesn't have to go back to work um, earlier than she's ready, mm. which is just th- the most wonderful gift <laughs> to, to be able to have as a, as a family. So it's okay. like It's enough and and we're all right. But that's not my goal to, to kind of be all right. My, my goal is to get to... to I'm, my, my, my goal, I've, I've got a goal and it's to get to 10,000 a month in the next 18 months. So by end of next British tax year, April 2023, 10,000 a month is, is, is the goal I've got in mind. I love that. Okay, that's cool. And you're right. Like the goal should never be just to be okay. There should always be a goal to create some excess because we need an emergency fund. We need to put some away for our financial independence in the future. We should be expanding beyond just covering our bases. And that's the way you start to create breathing room, confidence, and an energy around a business. So I love that you have that goal. I love what you're going for super clear, which I think that's actually what you wanted to talk about today, wasn't it? Was where next? Was that the conversation you wanted to have? I've got a plan. I've got some thoughts I can share with you, Alan. Uh, and then maybe we can have a, if, if you're in agreement with the thoughts and the, the overall plan, maybe we can get into the details of actually, you know, how do I make the next steps and how do I make it happen? Because the plan I've got in mind takes me 
carries on doing some of the stuff I'm doing already, but does take me in quite a new direction in, in one crucial way. So <laughs> I love it. Tell me your thoughts. And for those of you listening, William has the most structured thinking I've ever seen. He sends me like the document that has the clear thoughts, clear steps, where he's going. I, I love the way you think it through. So I'm excited about this. So my thought process, and it might be helpful to just share this because I haven't come across this in sort of all the entrepreneurial teaching I've dipped into, but for me, it was a really helpful process to go through. I think if you're someone that's sort of already doing some stuff and you've got a feel for how long it takes and what sort of revenue you can earn from it, it this is this is quite a good process to, to go through, um, or at least it was for me. So I sat down and thought about the projects I'm doing at the moment, so blog, coaching, speaking, podcast, and I thought about two things. I thought about how how much time per week does that project take? I'm talking half a day, a day, three days. And also, if it continues to go well by my goal of April 2023, how much revenue per month will that be bringing in? And I'd already put all the ideas through a filter of, do I enjoy doing this stuff or not? So we're only talking about stuff that kind of gets me fired up. I'm not sort of talking about doing stuff that's just, you know, awful and horrible and you're doing it just to grunt away and, and bring in the cash. Like that's not, that's not the point. That's not, that's not kind of living life. No. Um, so we've already filtered out that stuff. Um, so, so choosing between what's left, I was looking at, yeah, so how many days per week for the project and then what kind of monthly revenue could the project be bringing in? And then I just divided one by the other and came up with a, a sort of entrepreneur's version of return on investment, which is kind of what your future monthly revenue will be divided by your days per week for the project on the road to getting there. So kind of for every day per week I allocate to a certain project, how close does it get me to that, that 10,000 goal? There was another constraint in that I couldn't afford to kind of go broke in the meantime. So that basically means I need to keep coaching and speaking going. Yes. <laughs> um, I can't just chuck that out of the window, even if I even if I thought I should. So so those are those are kind of set in stone. And and between those two, they allocate they take up about a day a week each, if I'm a little bit careful and a bit more choosy about the projects I take on. So I've got one day for coaching, one day for speaking, and about half a day to keep the blog going that's that's quite important as well so that total keeps gets me to about two and a half days a week well plus the and podcast another... so th- yeah one day a week you well, said on possibly. the podcast currently that's well well possibly depending whether the podcast stays or goes mm. as a as a project so i think there are two uh, two and a half days definitely spoken for between coaching speaking and the blog the podcast has got to fight for it out, fight, fight, fight it out with potential other new ideas as far as I'm concerned, because it's not earning its keep at the moment. <laughs> and so, you know, let's, let's pit it against other options. And so basically, I wrote down a whole long list of kind of what are the other projects I could do with that half a week that remains. I've got two and a half days a week remaining. I had all sorts of things on the long list. I had really monstering some of the existing stuff. So just going all out and spending my whole day, write, all, all week writing blog posts. I had going all in as a podcaster and really making a go of that. I had, you know, just maxing out the coaching. I had some new stuff as well. I had, you know, go, starting to go off and kind of create courses and sell those to people. I had launching a YouTube. I had um, kind of doing revision retreats where, you know, bring people together in the holidays before exams and like, we'll all study together. Uh, I had turning some of the stuff I'm doing already into kind of an agency model. So not just doing all the coaching myself, but starting to do a sort of agency thing and have other coaches working with me. I had all these things and I was looking for, you know, that combination of, you know, which ones of these look fun 
which ones of these do I believe in, but also, you know, which ones are kind of the best on that return on investment metric. So for that two and a half days, which project or combination of projects looks like it'll give me the best chance of getting to that that 10,000 a month goal by April 2023. And the winner on that analysis was actually a technology project that I sort of had in the had in mind for about 2 years now. Uh, it's an idea I had a very long time ago to create essentially an app. The customer would be schools and it's an app to help students learn and consolidate knowledge in preparation for exams. And it's quite different to what else is out there on the market today. And I've been very excited for a very long time about the impact that would have on a student's results and therefore on a school. And, you know, as an extension of that, the the kind of the the you know the potential of of that of that service. But I've de- made deliberate decisions in the past that that was too big a project to take on at the time. I needed to focus on, you know, shorter term opportunities that would would you know could could come to fruition much more quickly. I do. I think now is the time that the the, the app the app the time for the the app project has is is nigh. I think it's it's got its day. I think it's something I've got to at least try um, and and put my best foot forward and and give it a proper crack. And it came out streaks ahead of everything else in terms of that that return on investment analysis as well. Closely followed by the um, the blog. Okay, because if you that, can... was, that was the closest because it's so outsourced now. Which you're already going to do anyway. So that one's not being dropped off the list. You're already doing the blog. Absolutely. And I'm guessing the technology product allows you to speak to schools across the entire country. And once it's built and it's rolled out, then you're just on a sales job, then a maintaining That's right. job. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And and look, I mean, I can't, I've, I've really, uh, one of the reasons I've enjoyed the little blog project so much is is starting to build out a tiny, teeny little team. I, I like that. That's that's fun for me. Um, and you know, the idea of having a, a slightly larger company that does sort of software stuff that really appeals. Like, I don't think we'll ever be huge. Like, we're not aiming to be the next Apple, but I think it is quite a cool product um, that would really help a lot of students and 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 their teachers. And you know, I'm I'm pretty excited to to kind of give it its chance and and get it out into the world and see and see how it goes. I'd love to give you my initial reaction whenever someone says I want to create an app is, oh no, <laughs> that's my initial like <laughs> heart sinks. Oh no, for many reasons. One is there is an entire host of issues and problems that comes around developing it, like getting the money to hire developers to create an app to then sell it. And it tends to be like, we need money to build the thing. That tends to be what happens. And there's many ways to do that. It's not something that is going to get you a fortune quickly. However, like you've said, there is a long-term scale that if it goes well, it could be unbelievable. You're in a slightly different position to most of the people that I speak to about apps because you now have a business that's three years in generating profit. You have all the introductions to the schools. You have a podcast that's doing 20,000 downloads a month and a blog reaching 100,000 page views. That's a great market to be able to sell the app to. So you've actually built the platform that would be needed to sell the app in a lot of ways, which I love. My initial reaction is always a heart sinking moment, but in your situation, it could work. So it sounds like this is the idea, William, and you are set on an app. This is it. Is that correct? That's correct. (laughs) 
Hello, this is your Captain Dale Johnson once again speaking. Unfortunately, we have reached our maximum flight time with this particular time machine, so we will be forced to ground in the year November 2021. We hope that you will join us next Monday for the continuation of this conversation with William Wadsworth, and we will also be directing course into a third conversation with William Wadsworth that occurred much closer to our original timeline. We here at Rebel Time Airways recommend you use this opportunity in November 2021 to correct any mistakes your former self has made. I personally will be attempting to talk myself out of taking a second mortgage out on my house in order to buy NFTs that immediately depreciated in value afterwards. Once again, we thank you for flying with Rebel Time Airwaves, and we hope you join us next Monday for the part two of this particular episode. Have a great day, and stay rebellious. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.